Have you heard what's happening in Calgary, Canada? Home to some of the world's best researchers and innovators in life sciences, Calgary is advancing healthcare solutions to solve global challenges. Calgary's dedication to the life sciences sector is evident in its labs, hospitals, schools, and the minds of its people. With its top institutions producing internationally recognized research and more than 110 life science companies backed by a highly skilled pool of talent, the life sciences sector is accelerating innovation in Calgary. If you're a bright mind or a bright company, Calgary is just the place for you. Take a closer look at calgarylifesciences.com. Before we get started this week, I wanted to tell you about the digital library from Deep Dive. How much time does your team spend looking for research papers? Google, PubMed, social media. There's got to be a better way. You can now search a reference database of 100 million scientific papers and read the full text of 20 million articles, annotate them, and share with colleagues. It's the smarter way to do research. Here's the best part. If you're like me and been frustrated by not being able to access articles you find because they're behind a paywall, I've got good news. With Deep Dive, you get one-stop affordable research. If you're a listener of the BioReport, you can try the enterprise version of the service for free for one month. Go to deepdive.com forward slash podcast and enter the code BIOREPORT. That's deepdive, D-E-E-P-D-Y-V-E dot com forward slash podcast. And the code is BIOREPORT, one word, all caps. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. One of the consequences of the proliferation of genetic sequencing has been a shortage of genetic counselors. It's left existing counselors to manage a heavy load as it's increased the demands of onboarding patients, consenting them, educating them, and interpreting results. The digital health company Identify is helping providers and genetic counselors scale their services with its AI-based platform that extends through the entire genetic testing process. We spoke to Jerome Bihar, co-founder and CEO of Identify, about its platform technology, how it works, and why it will allow genetic counselors to handle a much larger volume of patients. Jerome, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us with you, Danny. We're going to talk about Identify, its digital genetic assistant program, and how it works. Perhaps we can start with the need you're trying to address. We've seen a large upswing in genetic sequencing as the cost of the technology has fallen. One of the consequences of this is that there's a shortage of genetic counselors. 
How big a problem is that today? Well, that's a real unmet need, and let me take you through this. So we are all very fortunate to live uh, through the genomic revolution, which in its very basic form means that we are anticipating that in the coming 5, 10, 15 years, each individual worldwide will have his genome as part of his medical records or just records. And what do we want to use the genome for? So the genome is part of the promise of future medicine, of precision medicine, prevention, about the ability to tailor risks to each individual based on their genome, drugs, and maybe very, very, very importantly already now, to be able to prevent diseases much before they occur. And if we speak about it, it means that once people will have their genome, they will have to look into the information that the genome tells them a few times throughout their lifetimes. For example, maybe immediately after being born, maybe when they are planning their family, maybe when they are getting to the age where they might be at risk for malignancies, for early onset neurological disorders, maybe at an age when they are going to need drugs and they need to tailor their drugs. So we speak about a type of medicine that is anticipated to affect the life and the well-being of each individual worldwide. And we know that we have now growing populations and those billions of people, nearly 10 billion people, currently needs to get their explanation and aid of their genome for something like 8,000 genetic counselors worldwide. So if you make a small math, in the US, where the numbers are best, you have in, the, in North America, let's say, around 4,500, 500,000 genetic counselors, naturally not all working as genetic counselors, mm -hmm. but let's just say they are, then still we're speaking that each genetic counselor must supervise 74, 75,000 patients to be able to allow it. So the bottleneck is very narrow. If you look to Europe, you're speaking about one genetic counselors for half a million individuals. If you are looking further east, the numbers are becoming really ridiculous. So the bottleneck is very significant. What is the role of a genetic counselor and when do people typically have contact with them? Is, is there a kind of a cycle that someone goes through, a start and finish of the point of contact? So genetic counselors have two major forms of roles, let's say. Role number one is prevention. What does prevention mean? Completely healthy individuals, 25 years old, are planning family, and they want to know what are their odds of having an affected child being born with one of the very known diseases, whether there are monogenic like cystic fibrosis, Tay-Sachs, Bloom syndrome, or chromosomal abnormalities like Down syndrome. Completely healthy individuals. So basically, a genetic counselor has to accompany one throughout one's lifetime, and in any 
age, try to see what can be prevented. For example, going further down the road, which woman, which woman might be at an increased risk for breast cancer? Which individuals are at, at risk, increased risk for colon cancer? What are the prevention modalities that we can supply in order for us to prevent these people, to prevent these people from having diseases? So that is one major role, prevention. So again, following out about on the healthy population, and that is a very, very major role of prevention medicine and precision medicine. The second role is, God forbid, there is a sick case in the family. How do we prevent it from reoccurring in the family? How do we know if we can have some changes in the, in the treatment of people because of their genome? For example, somebody has to, bo- to be put on antiarrhythmia drugs. Somebody has to use antidepression medications. Can we choose better medications? So one role is to have prevention, and one role is to assist with treatment when this is happening. And these are the type of things that genetic counselor has to assist in. And we can further go on and delineate them in a very, very accurate way. One, we can go through genetic counseling through what we call reproductive health. Reproductive health is the entire period in which parents are planning their family. Then we can go ahead to the next age and again discuss oncogenetics, which might both be helpful in preventing cases like breast cancer cases in case of a woman that is carrying a mutation that might put her in excess risk for breast cancer. Then we can go furthermore and see whether we can tailor medicines best to people whether we can prevent other adult onset diseases like cardiomyopathies, like arrhythmia, and so on. So the genetic cancer role has been changed dramatically over the last two decades from individuals usually treating little kids with severe diseases, severe unfortunate and you know, devastating diseases, to actually treating each individual throughout his lifetime. And that is the importance of genetic counselors in our days. Identify has developed what it calls an end-to-end platform to streamline the genetic pipeline and efficiently facilitate any screening service. How is the platform used? What's the range of things it's capable of doing? Identify is a full solution that is aiming to give a full medical-grade solution to the entire process which is involving the genetic counseling session. And what are the processes that are involved in having a genetic counseling? First, you have to take medical records from the individuals. So you have to interview an individual, whether it is for a given question or whether it is for a general discussion. After giving this interview, One should explain to the patient what are the tests that are going to be suggested, offered, to negate this risk. 
then the patient has to be consented for the test because we can't we can't just do a test a genetic test on somebody without uh, without him confirming this and consenting this and then we have to do the test we have to interpret the test we have to analyze the test and we have to return back the results to the patient with the actual recommendation for the couple or for the individual. So let's take an example again. You have a woman. She is of Ashkenazi Jewish origin. She has concern that she might have a risk for genetic cancer, for, for, might have risk, sorry, for a breast cancer because she read in the newspaper that Ashkenazi Jews have this extent, this, this higher risk. So you have to interview her. You have to define the risk. You have to explain to her what is the test she's going to take. You have to do the genetic test. You have to read the results. You have to interpret them. And then you have to explain to her back. Identify solution is taking care of all of these parts of the genetic counseling session other than the actual lab test. So we are enabling the healthcare provider, the individuals themselves, which are the most important, to go through the, this process in an easier, more friendly, faster, and more accurate route. So we really try to allow genetic counselor to supervise many, many more patients than what they can do today and fulfill the dream the promise of genomic medicine to every individual worldwide. So that's the solution, a full end-to-end -end one with respect to genetic counseling. This is a, an AI platform. What role does artificial intelligence play in the system? Is it providing interpretation of genetic results? Is it doing something else? I, 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 I must, I must uh, open up a little bit this uh, this, uh, 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 this, this conversation because uh, I'm a medical doctor and uh, a medical geneticist, uh, of course, as well. And uh, I tend to take a lot of cautions when I'm saying arti artificial intelligence. So I don't want uh, to use this term when we are describing the system when we are speaking about the end, the patient and the a genetic counselor as a, a facing models of it. The reason is that we want to augment the genetic counselor to supervise many, many more patients, but we want the computer to do exactly what a genetic counselor would want it to do, which means ask the questions that the genetic counselor want to ask and nothing more. Interpret it the exact way that the genetic counselor wanted to be interpret, interpreted and then return the results and the recommendation exactly like a genetic counselor would want them to do. So for example, we don't want an AI machine to kick in and decide that a certain variant is not pathogenic or anymore or is or is pathogenic suddenly. We want it all to be very supervised. You might use some 
data mining processes, some, uh, uh, some very complex uh, algorithms. And you know, you might want to extend it to the level of AI when you analyze the data. But any insight, any suggestion that a computer, that an, that an AI you know, platform might raise must be approved, revised, approved, and only then executed by the system. And that is something very important because we are not trying to, uh, uh, to invent uh, the genetic counseling process from, from start. We are trying to augment the genetic counselor and to allow them to supervise 100 times more patients. So that's the, that's, that, that's the way, that's our philosophy around building this software. And this is why I think a lot of genetic counselors that have experienced with it uh, love to use it. In that sense, then, is it agnostic to the type of genetic test that's used, whether it's whole exome, whole genome, or if it's a specific test looking for a, an individual mutation? We are trying certainly to be agnostic to the platform and the actual amount of information which is being collected on the patient genetically. Of course, a, the healthcare provider has to adjust his messages based on the genetic test done. That would be his that, that would be the responsibility of the healthcare provider, because eventually the healthcare provider is, is signing on the results on the messages. So that means that if somebody wants to use, for example, for preconception screening, only 10 variants and compare it to somebody who is screening for 1,000 variants, naturally the messages of the residual risk post the test, the importance of the test, how wide it is, which diseases are being covered, will be changed between the two tests. But we are providing the platform for the healthcare organization to adjust his language at the pre and the post-test to the patient who eventually needs to, of course, gain the most out of it. In that regard, what's the business model? Who is identifies customer and how does it get paid? It is, is it a, a subscription service? Is it price per patient? So uh, naturally, the uh, identify solution is trying to augment and empower the experience of uh, all the stakeholders that are involved in the patient uh, uh, healthcare journey. So, uh, and this is also how it is being uh, split into different models, which we can go into maybe a bit later. Uh, in medicine, there is a, usually the coin that is being used in medicine is a per test fee. But naturally, we are a software company, and in our world, the term SaaS is most, of course, uh, mostly known and, and used more often. So we have come with a, a, a way to combine both of them. So there is a subscription or a SaaS-based service, but the pricing, of course, is changed based on the volumes that the healthcare provider is using. Currently, we are working only through healthcare providers because we want, the, again, the, the process to be supervised so we give the best possible care to the patients. And this is, so currently the route is 
via the healthcare providers. In uh, many cases, we are actually integrating with technology providers that are supplying the healthcare providers, and that is part of the payment that is being given for the test. So that's more or like where we've been. Certainly, it's a great question because medicine and software, when they have to be integrated, you have to be innovative also on this level. What's been done to validate the system? And since you're not using it to, as I understand, not provide a diagnosis, is there any kind of regulatory hurdles you have to clear? So uh, that is a something which we pay close attention to from the first day. Actually, we already have three regulatory personnel in our startup, which is quite uh, unique for a, a, for a company at our stage. The reason is that we need to be compliant with the HIPAA, with the GDPR, with the ISO certifications that we are all, of course, standing to. We are currently do have the relevant ISO. We are HIPAA and GDPR compliant. On top of it, naturally, each release of a software is involved with a massive QCQA, which is being dictated by both automation and manual tools. However, when we get to regulation, we really want to discuss uh, what data do we provide that might allow this system to be used as a software as a medical device versus a supporting tool. So currently, we are a, a decision-supporting tool, which means that we, there is a sign-up of the medical personnel a, on each and each report which is leaving the system. However, to collect the data that we need to show the efficacy and how stable the system is, we actually went into four IRB-based studies on the user experience of both the healthcare provider and the end patient. We have done it both in the US and in Israel. We have very good results, very good results of satisfaction from uh, our current users. Uh, and this data, such data, can naturally be used because it is really being taken under an IRB and under consent can be used to both show it to regulatory agencies, and of course can be used for publications. So we are currently still, and we might remain that way and, and, change, and decide not to change it, we are currently are a supporting tool, so decision supporting tool, and not software as a medical device. If we are going to have enough data and we will uh, think that we need to go to the next level, that naturally we are building ourselves for such, a, for such a decision, but we are not yet there. As I understand it, your platform allows genetic counselors, patients, genetic labs, and, and providers all to interact with the system. Can you walk me through how each of those different parties benefit from the system? Yes. So that uh, goes into the, the, the way the, the, the architecture of the system. So basically, the system is being split into four different modules. It's the access, the analyze, the insight, and the counsel. The access allows 
the healthcare provider to provide his patients at the comfort of their homes to sit down, answer sophisticated questionnaires that they are not just one question after another. Of course, the questions know how to interact with each, with each other, to expand, to collapse, to go to external databases, and so on. Allows each healthcare provider to ask whichever question they would like to have. Then the systems allows for the patients, on behalf of the patients, a personalized and dynamic multimedia explanation about the situation, about the genetic condition at, at, at question, and allows to explain about which are the tests that are going to be provided, and then to consent the patient by actually allowing the patient to a digital, to, 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 it's digital consenting actually. That is all happening within the access module. So that is of course, making it very easy for patients to go to the test. I was dealing with a, an HMO that asked, so how fast can a woman that is seeking for breast cancer test to actually get a test? And we have to get used to digital health because the answer is within the same day. Once she goes into the platform, she answers what she needs to answer. The, the software is calculating which is the genetic test she needs to go through according to the specifications of the healthcare provider, consent the woman, and allow her to go to the lab either by an appointment or maybe same day. So the access is allowing both the healthcare provider and the patients to be in much faster and easier communication. This process is ending by the patient coming to the lab, to the place that blood can be taken, buccal swab, whatever is being, is being offered and then start the lab cycle. The lab has to track the sample. The lab has to take the raw data outside of the machine, read it, analyze it, and interpret it. So the system here allows the lab and the bioinformatic part within it to be in the same user experience, user interface that the genetic counselor can look at it and he has and has has comments and later on of course after everything is revised we'll also allow it to the patient so that is the analyze mode then becomes the insight mode the insight mode is taking the information from the analyze the information from the consent so the genetic and the clinical information merge them into concrete calculations of risk, into concrete explanation about what are the next steps for the patient. And again, it is simplifying the process for the genetic counselor. So it will mimic the exact same thing that the genetic counselor would have, would, would, would have done, which means there's a couple, they are both coming to preconception screening because they are pregnant a pregnancy. They are both negative on their carrier test. So the system calculates the residual risk and gives the recommendation that they are at low risk and they should 
know about this and that, for example. Then comes the last portion, which returns the results back to the end patient. So the access began by interaction between the healthcare provider and the end patient. And now the council will now allow to distribute the information very fast to the end patient, again, by means of creating automated, personalized and dynamic multimedia content, which explain to the patient at his language, what are the results, what are the next steps, and so on. And this is another major, major improvement. Why? Because you might see that the patient might get his answer at the same day that the genetic results came out of the machine. Because if everything is streamlined and the risk is low and it can be released, there's no need for wait until you are being called for a genetic counseling or until you are being called for a phone call and so on. So uh, these are the four modules, the access, the analyze, the insert and counsel that are taking care of the patient genetic counselor, healthcare provider relations, the sample and the lab, and the sample and the bioinformatics, all in one full solution. What happens in the case of a, a rare genetic disease that's not well understood or well characterized? Then that is a time where exactly what the system is trying to do. The system is trying to sort the patients on behalf of the genetic counselors so that the genetic counselors can pay attention to the patients at risk. So there is no need for the genetic counselors maybe to give attention to each individual which is at low risk if the genetic counselor finds that the genetic explanation provided without him is sufficient and if the patient declared that he understood and he has no more questions. That should free out a lot of the time of the genetic counselors to actually allow them for face-to-face -face or telegenetics interactions with the patients at risk. And let's take another example. If we are taking a look to, let's take the same example we used before. So this is an Ashkenazi woman that came, uh, uh, that came to be tested because she heard that there is an excess of cases of breast cancer in her community. Maybe her aunt had it or something like this. So we do expect that one of 40 a woman of Ashkenazi origin will carry a mutation that puts them at higher risk for breast cancer. Does the genetic counselor really need to speak with each of these women and explain to them what is the risk or and that there is no risk? Or maybe most of them can be treated via a, a supervised assistant or genetic counselor that can deliver all the information and reassure. The system also reassures that the patient understand uh, the, 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 the message that was delivered by a questionnaire and it, it's being reassured. And then the genetic counselor can call in, focus of the, on the one in 40 that is at risk and maybe on the three, four that needs more explanation and dedicate more time to those that are at risk. So that's exactly what the system is doing sorting out so that the rare cases can be treated face-to-face -face with a genetic counselor. 
Where are you today in terms of commercializing the product? How's it being used to date? So we are uh, at very exciting times. The system is deployed. The studies are finalized or about to be finalized. Uh, a few uh, contracts and the and the uh, installations are being made with significant players, and uh, it seems like we are receiving currently for the first installations very high satisfaction rates. I can share with you; it was not yet published, but I can share with you that 96 percent of the patients that went through the system have answered the question that they don't need to see a genetic counselor post these explanations, which of course is a, a very promising news for us because it means that our entire way of looking at it is telling us that patient and humans specifically at this era are more and more accepting digital communication, and maybe also the recent very, very unique years that we had with the COVID-19 period have accelerated some digitalization processes in the societies. So we are really in very exciting time periods, and I really hope that maybe in a few months you will want to invite us again to to your, uh, your 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 show and and we can share more data about this. Well, what's it going to take to grow from here and and get providers to sign on? So we need to maintain the current course that we are at. It's a we were very lucky. We always developed with a counterpart. We always developed with healthcare organizations. We see the appreciation and the current use. And I think that we need to keep on giving the hard work, very accurate, maintain very good QC measures, expand on the offering of clinical indications that we are offering currently to patients and show back the results to the customers that are currently using them so that they will want to make it wider and wider within the network. So I would say that we, need to keep on walking in the path that we have already marked for ourselves. Theron Bihar, co-founder and CEO of Identify. Theron, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, Danny. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, Subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.